Chapter 6. Hypnotic Rhythm Question. What is this mysterious law through which you take permanent control of people's bodies even before you take over their souls? The whole world will want to know more about this law and how it operates. It will be hard to describe the law so you'll understand it, but you may call it hypnotic rhythm. It is the same law through which people can be hypnotized. So you have the power to use the laws of nature as a web in which you bind your victims in eternal control. Is that your claim? That is not only my claim, it is the truth. I take over their minds and bodies even before they die, whenever I can lure them or frighten them into hypnotic rhythm. What is hypnotic rhythm? How do you use it to gain permanent mastery over human beings? Answer, I will have to go back into time and space and give you a brief elementary description of how nature uses hypnotic rhythm. Otherwise, you'll not be able to understand my description of how I use this universal law to control human beings. Question, go ahead, but keep your story confined to simple illustrations which come within the range of my own experience and knowledge of natural laws. Very well, I shall do my best. You, of course, know that nature maintains a perfect balance between all the elements and all the energy in the universe. You can see that the stars and the planets move with perfect precision, each one keeping its own place in time and space. You can see that the seasons of the year come and go with perfect regularity. You can see that an oak tree grows from an acorn and a pine grows from the seed of its ancestor. An acorn never produces a pine and a pine seed never produces an oak. These are simple things which anyone can understand. What one cannot see is the universal law through which nature maintains perfect balance throughout the myriad of universes. You earthbound caught a fragmentary glimpse of this great universal law when Newton discovered that it holds your earth in its position and causes all material objects to be attracted toward the center of the earth. He called this law gravitation. But he did not go far enough in his study of the law. If he had, he would have discovered that the same law which holds your earth in position and helps nature to maintain a perfect balance over the four dimensions in which all matter and energy are contained is the web in which I entangle and control the minds of human beings. Tell me more of this astounding law of hypnotic rhythm. As I have already stated, there is a universal form of energy with which nature keeps a perfect balance between all matter and energy. She makes specialized use of this universal building material by breaking it up into different wavelengths. The breaking up process is carried on through habit. You'll better understand what I'm trying to convey if I compare it with the method by which one learns to play music. At first, the notes are memorized in the mind. Then they are related to one another through melody and rhythm. By repetition, the melody and rhythm become fixed in the mind. Observe how relentlessly the musician must repeat a tune before he masters it. Through repetition, the musical notes blend, and then you have music. Any impulse of thought that the mind repeats over and over through habit forms an organized rhythm. Undesirable habits can be broken. They must be broken before they assume the proportions of rhythm. Are you following me? Yes. Well, to continue, rhythm is the last stage of habit. Any thought or physical movement which is repeated over and over through the principle of habit finally reaches the proportion of rhythm. Then the habit cannot be broken because nature takes it over and makes it permanent. It is something like a whirlpool in water. An object may keep floating indefinitely unless it's caught in a whirlpool. Then it's carried round and round, but it cannot escape. The energy with which people think may be compared with water in a river.
Question. So this is the way in which you take control of the minds of people, is it? Yes. All I have to do to gain control over any mind is to induce its owner to drift. Question. Am I to understand that the habit of drifting is the major danger through which people lose their prerogative or privilege of thinking their own thoughts and shaping their own earthly destinations? Answer. That and much more. Drifting is also the habit through which I take over their souls after they give up their physical bodies. Then the only way a human being can be saved from eternal annihilation is by maintaining control over his own mind while he's on this earth. Is that true? You have stated the truth perfectly. Those who control and use their own minds escape my web. I get all the others as naturally as the sun sets in the west. Is that all there is to the business of being saved from eternal annihilation? Doesn't what you call your opposition have anything to do with saving people? I can see that you do think very deeply. My opposition, the power you earthbound call God, has everything to do with the salvation of people from eternal annihilation. And for that reason, it is my opposition who provides every human being with the privilege of using his own mind. If you use that power by maintaining control over your own mind, you become a part of it when you give up your physical body. If you neglect to use it, then I have the privilege of taking advantage of the neglect through the law of hypnotic rhythm. How much of a person do you take over when you gain control of him? Everything that is left after he ceases to control and use his own mind. So in other words, when you gain control of a person, you take over all there is of his individuality up to the time that he quits using his own mind. Is that correct? That is how I operate. What do you do with people whom you control before death? Of what good are they to you while they live? I use them, or what is left of them after I take charge, as propagandists to help me prepare the minds of others to drift. Question. You not only fool people into destroying their power to control their own minds, but you use them to help you trap others. Yes, I let no opportunity get away from me. So let us come back to the subject of hypnotic rhythm. Tell me more of how this law works. Show me how you use individuals to help you gain control over others. I want to know something of the most effective way you use hypnotic rhythm. Oh, that's easy. The thing I like best is to fill the minds of people with fear. Once I fill one's mind with fear, I have little trouble causing him to drift until I've entangled him in the web of hypnotic rhythm. Question. Which human fear best serves your purpose? The fear of death. Why is the fear of death your favorite weapon? Because no one knows, and by the very nature of the laws of the universe, no one can prove definitely what happens after death. This uncertainty frightens people out of their wits. People who give over their minds to fear, any sort of fear, neglect to use their minds and begin to drift. Eventually they drift into the whirlpool of hypnotic rhythm from which they may never escape. Question. Then you do not mind what religious leaders think or say of you when they speak of death? Not as long as they say something. If the churches should stop talking about me, my cause would receive a severe setback. Every attack made against me fixes the fear of me in the minds of all who are influenced by it. You see, opposition is the thing that keeps some people from drifting, provided they do not yield to it. Question. Since you claim the churches help instead of hindering your cause, tell me what would give you cause to worry. 
My only worry is that someday a real thinker may appear on earth. And what would happen if a thinker did appear? You ask me what would happen? I'll tell you what would happen. People would learn the greatest of all truths, that the time they spend in fearing something would, if reversed, give them all they want in the material world and save them from me after death. Isn't that worth thinking about? What is keeping such a thinker from appearing in the world? Answer, fear of criticism. It may interest you to know that the fear of criticism is the only effective weapon I have with which to whip you. If you were not afraid to publish this confession after you wring it from me, I would lose my earthly kingdom. And if I did surprise you and publish it, how long would it be until you lost your kingdom? Just long enough for one generation of children to grow into understanding. You cannot take the adults from me. I have them too securely sewed up. But if you publish this confession, it would be sufficient to keep me from gaining control of the yet unborn and those who have not yet reached the age of reason. You wouldn't dare publish what I've told you about the religious leaders. They would crucify you. Question. I thought the savage practice of crucifixion went out of style 2,000 years ago. I don't mean crucifixion on a cross. I mean social and financial crucifixion. Your income would be shut off. You would become a social outcast. Religious leaders and their followers alike would treat you with scorn. Question. Suppose I should choose to throw in my lot with the select few who make a pretense of using their own minds rather than fear the masses who do not, the masses of whom you claim 98%. Answer. If you have courage enough to do this, you will crimp my style. Why do you lay claim to no scientist? Don't you like scientists? Oh yes, I like all people well enough, but true scientists are out of my reach. And why is that? because they think for themselves and spend their time studying natural laws. They deal with cause and effect. They deal with facts wherever they find them, but do not make the mistake of believing scientists have no religion. They have a very definite religion. And what is their religion? The religion of truth, the religion of natural law. If the world ever produces an accurate thinker with ability to fathom the deeply buried secret of life and death, you can be sure that science will be responsible for the catastrophe. Catastrophe to whom? To me, of course. Question. Let's get back to the subject of hypnotic rhythm. I want to know more about it. Is it something like the principle through which people can hypnotize one another? It is precisely the same thing. I've already told you so. Why do you repeat your questions? That is an old worldly custom of mine, your majesty. For your enlightenment, I will tell you, I am forcing you to repeat many of your statements for the sake of emphasis. I am also trying to see if I can catch you in a lie. Don't dodge the issue. Get back to hypnotic rhythm and tell me all you know about it. Am I a victim of it? Answer, not now, but you barely missed falling into my web. You drifted toward the whirlpool of hypnotic rhythm until you discovered how to force me into making this confession. Then I lost control of you. How interesting. You're not trying to recapture me through flattery, are you? That would be the best bribe I could offer you. It is the bribe I used on you effectively before you got the upper hand of me. With what did you flatter me? With many things, chief among them sex and the desire for self-expression. What effect did your bribes have on me? They caused you to neglect your major purpose in life and started you to drifting. Was that all you did to me through your bribes? That was plenty.
But I am back on the track and out of your reach now, am I not? Yes, you are temporarily out of my reach because you're not drifting. What broke your spell over me and released me from the habit of drifting? My answer may humiliate you. Do you want to hear it? Go ahead and give it to me, your majesty. I wish to learn how much truth I can stand. When you found a great love in the woman of your choice, I lost my grip on you. So, you're going to accuse me of hiding behind a woman's skirts, are you? No, not hiding. I wouldn't put it that way. I would say you've learned how to give yourself a solid background with the embellishment of a woman's mind. Question. The woman's skirt has nothing to do with it then? No, but her brain does. When you and your wife began to combine your two brains through your habit of masterminding every day, you stumbled upon the secret power with which you forced me into this confession. Is that the truth, or are you trying to flatter me again? I could flatter you if I had you alone, but I cannot flatter you while you have the use of your wife's mind. Question. I am beginning to catch on to something important. I am beginning to understand what was meant by the writer of that passage in the Bible, which says substantially, When two or more meet together and ask for anything in my name, it shall be granted. It is true, then, that two minds are better than one. Answer. It is not only true, it is necessary before anyone can continuously contact the great storehouse of infinite intelligence wherein is stored all that is, all that ever was, and all that ever can be. Question. Is there such a storehouse? If there had not been, you would not, could not, now be humiliating me with this silly forced confession. Question. Isn't it dangerous to give this sort of information to the world? Answer. Sure, it's dangerous to me. If I were you, I would not give it out. Let us get back now to the technique through which you fasten on your victims the habit of drifting. What is the very first step a drifter must take to break the habit? Answer. A burning desire to break it. You, of course, know that no one can be hypnotized by another person without his willingness to be hypnotized. The willingness may assume the form of indifference toward life generally, lack of ambition, fear, lack of definiteness of purpose, and many other forms. Nature does not need one's consent in order to place him under the spell of hypnotic rhythm. It needs only to find him off guard through any form of neglect to use his own mind. Remember this, whatever you have, you use it or you lose it. All successful attempts to break the habit of drifting must be done before nature makes the habit permanent through hypnotic rhythm. Question. As I understand you, hypnotic rhythm is a natural law through which nature fixes the vibration of all environments. Is that true? Yes. Nature uses hypnotic rhythm to make one's dominating thoughts and one's thought habits permanent. That is why poverty is disease. Nature makes it so by fixing permanently the thought habits of all who accept poverty as an unavoidable circumstance. Through this same law of hypnotic rhythm, Nature will also fix permanently positive thoughts of opulence and prosperity. Perhaps you'll better understand the working principle of hypnotic rhythm if I tell you its nature is to fix permanently all habits, whether they are mental or physical. If your mind fears poverty, your mind will attract poverty. If your mind demands opulence and expects it, your mind will attract the physical and financial equivalents of opulence. This is in accordance with an immutable law of nature. Question. Did the writer of that sentence in the Bible 
Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Have in mind this law of nature? Answer. He could have nothing else in mind. The statement is true. You can see evidence of its truth in all human relationships. And that is why the man who forms the habit of drifting through life must accept whatever life hands him. Is that correct? That is absolutely correct. Life pays the drifter its own price on its own terms. The non-drifter makes life pay on his own terms. Doesn't the question of morals enter into what one gets from life? To be sure, but only for the reason that one's morals have an influence on one's thoughts. No one can collect what he wants from life merely by being good, if that is what you want to know. Question. No, I guess not. I see what you mean. We are all where we are and what we are because of our own deeds. Answer. No, not exactly. You are where you are and what you are because of your thoughts and your deeds. Question. Then there is no such reality as luck, is there? Emphatically, no. Circumstances which people do not understand are classified under the heading of luck. At the back of every reality is a cause. Often the cause is so far removed from the effect that the circumstance can be explained only by attributing it to the operation of luck. Nature knows no such law as luck. It is a man-made hypothesis with which he explains away things he does not understand. The terms luck and miracle are twin sisters. Neither of them has any real existence except in the imaginations of people. Both are used to explain that which people do not understand. Remember this. Everything having a real existence is capable of proof. Keep this one truth in mind and you will become a sounder thinker. Question. Which is more important, one's thoughts or one's deeds? All deeds follow thoughts. There can be no deeds without their having first been patterned in thought. Moreover, all thoughts have a tendency to clothe themselves in their physical counterpart. One's dominating thoughts, that is, the thoughts one mixes with the emotions, desire, hope, faith, fear, hate, greed, enthusiasm, not only have a tendency to clothe themselves in their physical equivalent, but they are bound to do so. Question. That reminds me to ask you to tell me more about yourself. Where, in addition to the minds of people, do you dwell and operate? I operate wherever there is something I can control and appropriate. I have already told you I am the negative portion of the electron of matter. I am the explosion in lightning. I am the pain in disease and physical suffering. I am the unseen general in warfare. I am the unknown commissioner of poverty and famine. I am the executioner extraordinaire at death. I am the inspirer of lust after the flesh. I am the creator of jealousy and envy and greed. I am the instigator of fear. I am the genius who converts the achievements of men of science into instruments of death. I am the destroyer of harmony in all manner of human relationships. I am the antithesis of justice. I am the driving force in all immorality. I am the stalemate of all good. I am anxiety, suspense, superstition, and insanity. I am the destroyer of hope and faith. I am the inspirer of destructive gossip and scandal. I am the discourager of free and independent thought. In brief, I am the creator of all forms of human misery, the instigator of discouragement and disappointment. And do you not call that cold and cruel? I call that definite and dependable. 
The world depression broke up the habits of men everywhere and redistributed the sources of opportunity in all walks of life on an unprecedented scale. The drifter's pet alibi with which he tries to explain away his undesirable position is his cry that the world has run dry of opportunities. Non-drifters do not wait for opportunity to be placed in their way. They create opportunity to fit their desires and demands of life. Question. Are non-drifters smart enough to avoid the influence of hypnotic rhythm? No one is smart enough to dodge the influence of hypnotic rhythm. One could just as easily avoid the influence of the law of gravity. The law of hypnotic rhythm fixes permanently the dominating thoughts of men, whether they be drifters or non-drifters. There's no reason why a non-drifter would want to avoid the influence of hypnotic rhythm because that law is favorable to him. It helps him convert his dominating aims, plans, and purposes into their physical replicas. It fixes his habits of thought and makes them permanent. Only the drifter would wish to dodge the influence of hypnotic rhythm. Question. For the better portion of my adult life, I've been a drifter. How did I manage to escape being swept into the whirlpool of hypnotic rhythm? You haven't escaped. The major portion of your dominating thoughts and desires since you reached adulthood has been a well-defined, definite desire to understand all the potentialities of the mind. You may have drifted on thoughts of lesser importance, but you did not drift in connection with this desire. Because you did not drift, you're now recording a document which gives you exactly what your dominating thoughts demanded of life. Question. Why doesn't your opposition use hypnotic rhythm to make permanent one's higher thoughts and nobler deeds? Why does your opposition permit you to use this stupendous force as a means of entangling people in a web of evil spun by their own thoughts and deeds? Why does your opposition not outwit you by binding people with thoughts which build and lift them above your influence? The law of hypnotic rhythm is available to all who will use it. I make use of it more effectively than does my opposition because I offer people more attractive bribes to think my sort of thoughts and indulge in my sort of deeds. In other words, you control people by making negative thinking and destructive deeds pleasing to them. Is that correct? That is the idea exactly.